This podcast is not intended as a substitute for a physician's medical advice. The listener should regularly consult a physician in matters relating to their health and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. Welcome back or welcome to the Magic Mike Podcast. We are your hosts, Nikki Lowe. And I'm Crystal Powell. Well, hello, 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 Nikki. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm good. Good morning, Crystal. I know. I'm excited. We woke up this morning. Blessings on blessings on blessings. We did. We made it. We made it here. Yeah. Through the Dallas traffic. Lots of Dallas traffic (laughs) and lots of Dallas construction and lots of Dallas weather. But we're here. We need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we have the incredible Dr. Linda Syed with us. Linda is a pregnancy and postpartum corrective exercise specialist. She helps raise awareness about women's health as we navigate different stages of life, growing from pregnancy to postpartum to your walls, anywhere in between. Yeah. It's a bowl or a hammock or a bowl hammock. (laughs) You can't pour from an empty cup. In this episode, we learn how to keep our cups and our pelvic floors full and happy and rehabilitated. We'll be right back with Dr. Linda Syed. We Welcome. Yes. Dr. Linda Syed. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Talk to you guys, ladies. Educate you about your pelvic floor and also spread the mission. Ooh. We love a good mission here on the Magic Mike podcast. Dr. Syed, can you give our listeners a quick definition of what is a pelvic floor? Sure. Yes. So let's do our pelvic floor one-on-one. If you imagine your pelvis that it sits right in the hip area, we have a network of muscle that sits right into that pelvis. If you will imagine a bull sitting at the bottom of your pelvis, a pelvis or a hammock, you can describe it as a hammock or you can describe it as a bull. Those network of muscles, their job is few things. One, they are responsible for continence, closing the urethra, and also sexual function, arousal, orgasm. Those are all the things that pelvic floor, the first layer of pelvic floor is responsible for. Then we have the deeper layer of the pelvic floor into that bowl that are responsible for internal organ support. Your bladder, your intestine, your uh, uterus, all those things are sitting right into this bowl and supported by these muscles. And that's what your pelvic floor is. It's a hammock, a bowl that supports internal organ and has a function with um, continence and sexual function. So before we get into your mission, Dr. Syed, we want to learn a little bit about you. We do know that you have over 12 years of experience. You have two wonderful daughters of your own, and you're really just out here, like you mentioned, spreading this 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 mission to these ladies. How did this come about? Is it through your own experience with your own childbearing that you said, I want to start doing this, or did this just come along the way of your 12 years of experience? Well, um, I have a funny story to share before I answer your question. So when okay. I was in PT school many, 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 many years ago, although I'm only 21, but, you know, I started early. <laughs> same, same, same. But, um, yes. So we had one class one afternoon on public forum, which is the sad part. 
Okay, that's that's how much of a training we had in school. And um, I sat in that class and I did my math and I said, hey, there's going to be two questions from this section. I'm okay not doing this class. I'm not going to listen. This is not me. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to touch someone else's vagina. Are you kidding me? This is not for me. So I did not listen. I did not read anything with, from that chapter for my test. So look at you. But that woman. being said, I know. It's like, no, I'm not doing this. This, 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 this is not happening. This is, I want to do orthopedic. I love orthopedic. That's all, all I wanted to do. I had my goals. I had my, you know, five years, 10 years plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is me. So um, fast forward, um, I got pregnant with my first kid. I went through pregnancy, not an easy one. Then I had my wanting to have a vaginal birth, but I end up having a C-section, which is totally fine. That could be another podcast. Um, but um, <laughs> then at six weeks postpartum, I went to my OB and um, like a normal Every, you know, um, everyone's get that six, six weeks postpartum and I was cleared, clear to go back to normal. And that normal was so confusing to me. I did not know what it meant. Uh, it did not give me any guidance of what is safe, what is not safe. And, you know, how the society puts the, you know, um, when are you going to get your postpartum body back? Or when are you going to bounce back? So that had more priority on my head, uh, more than wanting to heal or recover from the birth. Again, it comes from the lack, lack of education about that fourth trimester postpartum. So um, I decided to sign myself up for a mommy boot camp at six weeks post C-section um, to get my body back. Oh. And my doctor cleared me. I was okay. So I'm going to wait another two weeks. I signed up for a class. Eight weeks, I should be clear to go back and do my mommy boot camp, right? And get back to the, the to my shape again. All those words. I did that class. I know. So just talk, just talking about it, I, I start feeling those pain I felt during that class. And I, I kind of like pushed, pushed, and I kept telling like, this is normal. This is normal. It's okay. And the trainer was pushing us. It's like, you know, just focus on your goal. You can do this. Um, and I was proud of myself. Uh, not knowing what I'm doing is actually really hurting me in a long run. And so I ended up with knee injury. I ended up with some pelvic floor issue. And uh, I did not even finish that book camp. I stopped. And I kind of like, hmm, that class I had many years ago, and I did not pay attention. Maybe I want to revisit. So I started learning about pelvic health because of the issue I encounter myself by lack of education from my doctor and nothing postpartum, you know, given to me. And with that being said, um, I did all the training because I wanted to help myself. But then later on, I decided to spread the mission because honestly, our healthcare system sucks. It doesn't provide any education, any uh, guideline on how to recover have, after having a baby. It's and my that became my mission because if I'm a physical therapist, if I know about musculoskeletal and I still did not know how to take care of myself, I could only imagine how other women feel, you know, um, or or know very little after they're having their baby and not knowing what is safe, what is not safe, what they can do. Um, so that became my mission because I want to normalize pelvic health. I don't want to normalize pelvic dysfunction. That's what is happening right now. Everybody says, 
Hey, welcome to postpartum. Welcome to motherhood. Welcome to pregnancy. Oh, you leaking? My mom leaks too. I leak too. My all my friend leaks. So it seems like pelvic floor dysfunction. You know, it's normalized, and my goal is to normalize pelvic floor rather than the dysfunction. So that's how I got into this pelvic floor niche because I experienced it my myself firsthand. And being the musculoskeletal expert, I still need. Needed to learn a lot more to be able to recover my own postpartum body. Doctor Syad, when you say leaking, um, what what exactly are you speaking of? That's like when you sneeze and you pee a little. Yeah. So you can have that leakage whether you had a baby or you did not have a baby. So anybody, any woman during that lifetime, they may experience that leakage. That's just a pressure uh, management issue. You don't have to necessarily had a baby or be pregnant or had a baby in the past. But pretty much it's a pressure management uh, issue. Um, If you don't have a strong pelvic floor or if you don't have a coordinated pelvic floor, when the pressure goes up in your system, the pelvic floor, which is the muscle at the bottom of your pelvis, and its job is to, one of its job is to close the opening, to close the urethra for the pee from coming out. So if you don't have that coordination, the strength, then when the pressure goes up, that's an extra pressure, and then you leak. Um, sneezing, coughing, lifting, those are all jumping. Those are all the activity that would increase the pressure in your system. And if your pelvic floor, it's not in check, then you're going to have pee come out, uh, whether it's a little bit or a lot. Now, does that weakness in your pelvic floor have to do with your age? Because I have noticed now that I'm older, like Nikki said, if I cough and sneeze too hard, boop, boop, it's out there. (laughs) We got a little accident. So does it wear down like the rest of our body with age? It just happens? Yes. So what happened to your skin as you aging? Things start getting weaker and looser. Mm. Same thing happens as we are aging with our muscles. We start to lose that strength that, that um, you know, uh, I don't want to say tighten or tension, but that uh, walls loose muscle <laughs> exactly no, thank you so as we get older especially when we hit the premenopause and menopause we don't have enough estrogen in our body so the muscles get weaker and looser that's another reason postpartum pelvic floor it's cru- crucial because yes when you have your baby you don't feel anything uh, because you still have hormones in your body even if your muscles are a little bit weak, you're not going to feel the effect of it right away because still young, still have the hormone in your system. We see the big effect when we get to that menopause, postmenopause, premenopause, when we all of a sudden we don't have that hormone in the body to support, and that weakness becomes significant, you know, signifies because we don't have the hormones in our system. And that's when people start having more leakage, vaginal, bladder prolapse, all the things coming down in the vaginal canal. And that's, it could be one of the factors leading to that is that we never rehabilitated when we were younger. Mm. I think it's so expiring what you were saying before about, I mean, it's, it's a metaphor too. Like you can't pour from an empty cup in that way. And if your cup, like literally the cup that holds your body together is, is leaking at the bottom, then, then you can't pour anything out of it, pour your, your love to your children, to your, your practice, all of that. 
So can you speak a little bit about how that empowers women in that way? Yes. So when people come to my practice, I ask them about their goals. And everybody's like, oh, I want to resolve this leaking. No. Why do you really want to resolve this leaking? Because your reason, your why, it's bigger than that leaking. So when we leak, when we have that issue, when we feel like we're broken a little bit, it affects us mentally, physically, emotionally, everything together. All of a sudden, I'm going to stop exercising because... I leak. Every time I go and do a jump rope or do an exercise, I'm going to leak. So that's very embarrassing. Now I have uh, urine you know, stain on my um, workout clothes. I stink. I don't want my people Lulu to lemons. smell that. The Lululemons are expensive. <laughs> um, so that's there. Now I'm going to stop exercising. I'm not exercising. Now I don't have enough hormones that comes with exercising to make me feel good. Then I'm not going to be intimate with my husband because, again, I'm afraid that I'm going to smell. Uh, now it's affecting my relationship. Those two affected. Now I'm not a happy mom to take care of my family. I'm not, a hap- I'm not taking care of my family, and that is going to feed into this circle of not being happy with myself again. So this uh, small issue that we think it's a small, it's huge because it affects us um, emotionally, physically, with everything, day-to-day stuff, whether it's our relationship with husband and a kid or exercising, all those things affected by this issue that is actually easy to resolve. And if you don't know about it, you can't fix it. I had never heard of a pelvic floor specialist before today, and I'm pretty sure our listeners haven't either. And you're right. Society tells women the biggest thing, oh, you got to bounce back. You got to get your body back and you got to look good. And we are so concerned with what we look like on the outside and the inside is deteriorating. and It's leaking. And if we don't fix it, our mental is just going to be gone. So thank you, Dr. Saya, because I'm learning a lot myself. And I know there are other women out there that have been leaking and had no idea. Now, is this... Does this make, when your pelvic floor isn't cooperative, does this make intercourse uncomfortable? So yes, we um, have another condition that is called prolapse. And that is when your internal organ coming down into your vaginal canal. So another function of pelvic floor is support your internal organ. It looks like a bowl sitting at the bottom of your pelvis. One, it closes the the opening that um, keeps the pee and poop from coming out. And then another function is for sexual and supporting internal organ. When those muscles are we care, and we have either the bladder, the uterus, the other organs coming down. Now we have an extra tissue in the vaginal opening, and those tissue were not meant to be so low because they're sensitive. They need to be sitting way up into the pelvis. And when those tissue comes into the vaginal canal, now we're going to have penetration. A penis hits all those sensitive tissue, and it's painful for the woman, and now we have to stop having penetration or don't go go in as deep. Um, Again, that's another issue. Mentally, our relationship is unstuck. I don't feel good because I can't give my husband what he wants from this relationship. The husband doesn't want to hurt the woman, so that's another big issue we treat in our practice. Prolapse, it's, uh, again, almost everyone who has a vaginal birth will experience some degree of prolapse, almost every every woman. Um, but wow. most of the time it's asymptomatic. We don't feel anything. We don't seek treatment, right? Um, and normally the postpartum 
checkup. It's only a short visit and it's not as thorough as a pelvic floor to see if those organs are down or up. So normally an office exam, it's done on a table and prolapse is gravity dependent. So if, if I'm checking someone when they're on their back at, at their six weeks checkup, I don't see anything. You clear, you don't have a prolapse, but Normally, when she stands up, that's where the gravity pulls everything down, and we're able to see the true prolapse. And that's how we check in the office. We get the people stand up, bear down, let's see if anything's coming down. Um, so going back to your answering your question, yes, it could uh, affect pelvic floor dysfunction, could affect uh, you know the sexual um, relationship as well. Dr. Syed, is this something that we, because I know you're a specialist, would this some is this something that our OB would even know to check for, or you know what I mean, or should they know this? So, because of our broken healthcare system and our <laughs> OBs being yes. so busy, it's broken. It's I don't know. We need another word. It's it's how how long is an OB sessions? If the doctor is really, 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 you know, into providing um, enough time with their patients, maybe 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes is part of it. Hey, how are you? And how's uh, breastfeeding going? How are you healing? And they only have five minutes of checking. So unfortunately, because the doctor has to get to the next person, they're not spending enough time to really thoroughly check for these stuff. Um, and um, I don't want to generalize, but most of the time, these are not what being assessed in a postpartum session with an OB. So you hear that, listeners, ask questions, you know, take the time to say, hey, I want to check on this. I want to check on this because that is our time. That's what we're paying for. I think everyone should take that time to really ask those questions instead of asking WebMD. So we'll make our nerves right. bad and try to, you know, diagnose ourselves. And women can get so, like, embarrassed about that kind of stuff, too, right? It's it's hard to ask when you, like, don't necessarily want anyone to know or don't want anyone to think there's anything, like, wrong with you or you're scared that it's just you sort of thing, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, um, we are making um, a big progress with normalizing, you know, pelvic floor uh, treatment and talking about everything, woman health, but... Three years ago, when I started this mission, I had a lot of women coming to me and they were not even able to tell me what is wrong with them. Let's say somebody came in with having pain with intercourse and everybody was just like, not everybody, but those still felt a lot of shame um, around the, the topic. We're like, hey, you know, I have pain with, you know, you know, it's like, no, I don't know. Just say it. Um, it's like, yeah, I have pain down there. Uh, you know, when my when, my, when me, me and my husband, you know, it's like, no, girl, just say it. And, and it would be like, hey, you have pain with penetration? And then she was like, ah, yes. So, yeah, uh, just people are not comfortable talking about it. But thanks to social media, thanks to the podcast, thanks to everyone talking about it, I see that more more women know about pelvic floor and they're more comfortable talking about it. But three years ago, it, it was a real struggle to get someone to tell me exactly what's going on without using down there, down, up, down here. So <laughs> over there in my up and my lower right downward yeah. quadrant, there's uh, an ouchie. Okay. <laughs> yes, right. well, Nikki, exactly. Nikki, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Dr. Saya just how to rehab a broken pelvic floor. And to empower women into how they can ask for what they need in these areas. There you go.
We'll be right back. And we are back with Dr. Linda Syed, pelvic floor specialist. Dr. Linda, this is such important work that I feel like a lot of women don't know enough about. What does pelvic health look like throughout all the stages of a woman a woman's life? Well, um, one thing I've been thinking about that this pelvic floor health should start at fifth grade when they start doing sex education. So one thing it's happening is when they're talking about that first time, you know, being intimate and having sex, they put that in the head of the kids that it's going to hurt, expect it to be painful. So now they're normalizing that it's normal to have pain with intercourse. The first time it, it will be a little bit this uncomfortable, but because we're normalizing it for this kid with lack of education, if it's a true pelvic floor dysfunction that it's giving them the pain, they're not going to um, look into it or talk about it to the mom or doctors because they told me it's normal. It's yeah. normal for me to have pain with intercourse. Okay. So pelvic health should start from as soon as they start sex education, we should start educating women about their pelvic health from young age. Then, you know, um, we get to pregnancy. A lot of time, women and doctors think, we don't care about that right now. We'll get to it when the baby is out. Wrong. We want to get to it as fast as we can, rehabilitate it, keep it strong because, hey, those muscles are supporting the, the weight of this growing baby. So if we can get to them faster, the postpartum recovery will be a lot more easier and smoother. And I'm seeing it in my office every day. Um, the pregnant ladies who started with us during the pregnancy, we only see them few sessions postpartum because their pelvic floor is good. They already know how to take care of it because they learn, they stay connected with their pelvic floor. Then we will pre prepare people for giving birth. Pelvic floor has also a big role in giving birth. A lot of time um, I hear people saying, hey, do your Kegels and be ready for giving birth. Wrong. Pelvic floor does not push the baby out. The, the job of the pelvic floor is to get out of the way. So if you're doing Kegel and hoping you're going to be ready to, for this birth, you are actually doing it all wrong. You are creating more tension in your pelvic floor that is going to increase the risk of having longer labor or more significant um, tearing to the perineal area. So we will work with our patient to teach them how to get this pelvic floor out of the way when the baby is exiting the body. So again, pelvic floor comes in very handy and important as women are getting ready for giving birth and then postpartum. We start rehabilitating the pelvic floor as early as two weeks postpartum. So that's another time that pelvic floor physical therapists could be very crucial and pelvic health is very important because this... Uh, overstretched muscles that went through trauma of giving birth. I say trauma because birth is trauma. You they can tell. need to it's be scary. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, that's why we, you know, as women, we do it over and over. We have one kids and we say no more. And then we end up having more because it's, it's a beautiful thing. But we are not getting the support. So that's another time that the pelvic floor really need to be addressed. And then for the rest of our life, we get OB appointments once a year, I feel like this should be part of the 
kind of like annual checkup for women too. Let's check on your pelvic floor because this is going to support your organ as you are aging. This muscle needs to be rehabilitated. So throughout the life, basically you have to take care of your pelvic floor throughout the life. I'm going to add to this that we just started adding pediatric pelvic floor because those are another population that need pelvic floor physical therapy, but we're normalizing the potty training, we're normalizing the bedwetting, we're normalizing the constipation, and those become bigger issues when they are getting older. So pretty much throughout the life, we have to be aware of the the pelvic floor health. What does pelvic floor rehab look like? Are you massaging us? Because sign me up if that's the case. Well, it depends. It depends what needs to be done. Um, we often hear the word Kegel, Kegel, tomato, tomato, however you want to say it, uh, as a remedy for any sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. Like anything that happens, do your Kegel. Have you done your Kegels? But in reality, Kegel, it's not the answer to every pelvic floor dysfunction. We do very little Kegel in our in my practice. Um, so just describe how a pelvic floor rehabilitation will look like. So first, we're going to have an examination and see where your pelvic floor is. Is it tight? Is it weak? Is it tight and weak? Then we want to know, is she able to activate these muscles? Is she able to do a Kegel? Is she able to hold this Kegel? Is she able to bring on these muscles as quickly as possible. That's sneezing and uh, coughing. Those are a quick activation of pelvic floor. Is she able to do that? Oh, she's not? Then probably that's the reason she's, she's peeing when she's sneezing cough. She doesn't have that ability of or coordination of bringing on the muscle as fast as she should when that pressure goes up. The muscles are delayed. The muscles are not coordinated. So those are all the things we will check. And we will also check the hip muscles, the pelvis muscles, the abdominal muscle, because these are all connected. Pelvic floor does not work in isolation. It works with coordination with other muscles and joints in the body. So pretty much we do a whole body assessment and then check internally and figuring out, is it the weakness, the tightness, the coordination or combination of all? And then we create our plan of care. Exercises, as far as follow-up treatments, exercises, it's not just be on the table and squeeze and let go because everybody can do that at home. It's a lot of functional, a lot of hip, glutes, abdominal, um, strengthening along with coordination to to their pelvic floor. Compare this to vaginal rejuvenation. Because I know that's like a thing that women, they, you, if you go to your spa now, they'll offer you, ooh, if you want to have a better sex life after a few years, you just zap that baby back together. And, you know, and I honestly, I'm like, does that really work? Or is that, is that anywhere in the same family? Well, um, I have nothing against a vaginal rejuvenation. Do you get facial? Yeah. <laughs> you can, you, you, oh, can get, you can get, yeah, you can have that for your vaginal area. So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about passive treatment. A lot of treatment we have that are popular right now on the market are passive treatment. I'm going to hook you to a machine. I'm going to zap you with this machine, and things are going to get tighter. Do you think tightness is always a good thing? What happens oh. when you have a tight neck? Oh, oh yeah, it hurts. And it hurts. Snap you get a headache. <laughs> exactly. So tension and tightness, mm-hmm. most of the time, it equals weakness. So sure, you want to do the vaginal rejuvenation. You want to do the vaginal, uh, the what did you call it? The vag, vag, 
the facial the for the vaginal area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zap that baby back to life. Zap. Right. Those are all the things that are passive. They don't teach you anything. They don't yeah. teach you how to relax your pelvic floor muscle. Sometimes we need to relax those muscles. Sometimes we need to be able to let go of the tension. Uh, women who have pain with intercourse, it's not about doing Kegel. It's about letting go, about relaxing those muscles. Mm-hmm. So those are all the passive treatment that does not teach the woman how to actively be in charge of their pelvic floor. Um, it might give them a, a temporary relief, but there's not going to be a last long relief at anything passive treatment. That's the superficial um, solution to the problem when it seems like, from what I'm hearing you speak about, it, the main problem is the normalization of feeling pain all the time, mm. like from a young age as women, and we're just supposed to seem like we're doing well. We're supposed to, on the surface, be attractive, get our our postpartum body back as opposed to like really being connected to like what's working and what's not. So how do we empower women, empower our listeners to stop normalizing pain? What's the What's the first thing that they need to do and ask their doctor? What sort of questions do they need to start asking? First of all, we just have to know that because our grandparents suffered from similar dysfunction doesn't mean we have to. We know a lot about our body. We know a lot about pelvic floor. We have a lot of treatment, treatment that has a good outcome. So next time your friend says, hey, I'm leaking, please, please, please don't tell him I leak too. Let's say, hey, I've heard about this pelvic floor PT in town. How about we both go have a pelvic floor party? Mm. Um, Talking to the doctor and OBs, ask for referral to a pelvic floor physical therapist at your six weeks checkup. Educate them. I had a patient um, asking me why the doctors are not sending us for pelvic floor physical therapy after having a baby. And I told her, I don't know, go ask your doctor. And she did. And the doctor says, well, we think you guys are very overwhelmed, so we don't want to put another thing on your plate. Well, you are putting a lot on my plate few years down the road when I have to go through a lot of treatment, a lot of surgeries to fix the problem I could have fixed when I had my baby. So be sure to ask about referral for pelvic floor. Even the doctor says you don't need it. Um, Every state is different. I know in the state of California, we have direct access, so we don't need a doctor referral. Be proactive. Go see a pelvic floor yourself. Learn about your body. Get comfortable with the... um, down there, down there area of your body. Uh, <laughs> My vagina, to, you know, down uh, under. I, I am shocked to know how many people, they don't know how their vagina looks like. When I see something, I want to know, is this normal for you? Or you always had this one. They don't know. It's like, I don't know. I never looked I'll down there. I'll get a there. mirror in a minute. So get a mirror. Yeah, I'll get yeah. a mirror and look get down a mirror. there. What's going on? Yeah. How you doing? What's going on? Thumbs up. How does it look when it's normal? What if you, tomorrow you have a little rash? It's a little bit red. I want to look. Did I always have this redness? Is my skin looks red? Or it's a dysfunction. So if you don't know what your normal looks like, then you're not going to be able to identify the abnormal and get to it as fast as you can. So get a mirror, look down there, know your normal, 
ask your doctor for a pelvic floor assessment. If you are pregnant or postpartum, you definitely should see a pelvic floor physical therapist. If you are past that phase, you never received any treatment, please, please, please at least have one session, have someone take a look at it. All the online stuff is good, but every person is different. Online programs are generalized and it's not individualized. So we all need to have a session that is focused on us, our body. And other things that is happening, unfortunately, because the pelvic floor is getting really hot, all Um, facilities who have physical therapy, they are advertising for pelvic floor physical therapy, but they're actually not doing anything we do. They just put that word in their website and get people Mm. in. Let's do Kegel, Kegel, Kegel without any uh, thorough evaluation of the pelvic floor. So be aware of that. If you're going to a pelvic floor, they have to do an internal exam on you if you are allowing that to happen. If they're not offering you that, then they're not the real pelvic floor uh, specialist. Uh, they're just there for the money. Um, so they're just Kegel pushers. Talk to your- exactly. Well, and I think it's so amazing that we're comfortable having these conversations, but that comfortability starts uh, when you're learning about yourself, like from a, a younger age. As a mother, how do you incorporate the work that you do as a pelvic floor specialist? And how do you empower maybe? Our, our younger daughters, our younger generation to speak freely, to speak confidently about their bodies and what they need. Right. Um, so when you're around my family, you might think we're not being inappropriate because my kids are talking about the private part and pee and poop freely. Sometimes when we're in the public, I just have to say, keep it down. People are looking. But... I want them to know the real name, the real anatomy. Um, I'm not hiding anything from my girls. Um, Obviously, I wanted to make sure it's age appropriate. Um, And knowing the kid's personality, knowing my older kids, um, how she's going to be concerned and freak out if she sees me, I'm bleeding with my cycle. I did not let her see me changing pads or doing tampons till she was, you know, six. More understanding. I could explain to her, mommy's not hurt. Um, little one, she's very curious. She's okay to learn. So she, she knew about, you know, period and bleeding and cycles since she was three and she's okay with that. She had a lot of more questions. So being open and talking about private part, um, funny story. Uh, my husband is going to kill me for saying this here, <laughs> but it's funny. It's, it's good. Um, for a while, my daughter was asking me, does daddy has a long vagina? <gasps> and I was like, I was like, what is long vagina? I don't know. What are you talking about? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, she doesn't know the word. She doesn't know to, she doesn't know how to say penis. penis. That's what it is. She doesn't know. Uh, so, that's what you say. Daddy um, has a medium long vagina. <laughs> no, don't take that away from daddy. Daddy got a long vagina. Dr. Syed said, leave my man alone. <laughs> oh my goodness. I hope my husband doesn't listen to this one. But um, the point of the story is that I had to send her to my husband. Instead of me answering that question, it's like, go ask daddy. That's a question for daddy. Yeah. So she went to daddy, daddy and I'm videotaping this. <laughs> yes. So my husband looking at me and I was like, just answer the question. Just be honest and open. Do you have a long vagina? She's like, no, honey, I don't have a long vagina. I have a penis. 
And then the little one giggled a little bit. (laughs) And she's like, Daddy, do you pee with your penis? And then Daddy is just all red. And I'm, again, giving her the head and the head not saying, just talk to her, let her know. Let her know what what is it for. As, as, you know, as long as we're not giving too much information that's going to hurt her, I want her to know. I want her to be educated. So my husband had to let her know that I do pee with my penis. So, but thank God it ended right there. She did not ask any more questions. Um, no further but, questions, yes. Your Honor. Thank you so much. Goodbye. No further questions. <laughs> I know. Let's go. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> That's how I'm trying to empower my girl um, and teaching them and making sure we're not normalizing anything for them um, and just having that open conversation. I know a lot of times, Dr. Syed, couples go to, especially during pregnancies, the husband or the spouse, you know, they'll come in with their spouses to for their OB checkups. Is pelvic floor, is that something that the practice that the males need to come and be a part of and be educated on as well? Because then, you know, because even during intercourse, it's been taught to us that pounding is where it's at. We're going to pound town, not knowing that you fucking up my fallopian tube, sir. But so is this something that, you know, our listeners need to tell their spouses that, hey, this is some education that could help you out, too. Well, they have pelvic floors as well, so I feel like they, they need to know. They ain't having no baby, though. But Yeah, so although we don't treat, we don't provide the service to the men, but men have pelvic floor, and they have a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction as well that they're not talking about as, as openly. And um, they, I always encourage husbands to come, but most of the time they don't, especially when we have someone who have pain with intercourse. So we have patients that suffer from a condition called vaginismus. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah, that's when you don't like anybody and your vagina goes, no. Thank you. Right. So they nev- they, they're not able to achieve penetration. It's the muscles is spasm, closes. The penis is not, a lot, it's not able to go in. Um, there are different severity, but pretty much... Um, they can't have penetration because those muscles are so tight and spasming. Um, those are specifically the patient that I would love, love, love their partner, their husband to be in the session. It is physical, but a lot of it is emotion that is tied to it as well. So that fear of pain penetration, it's something that we would love for the partner to the husband, either learn about it and help them kind of like make progress physically and emotionally. This issue is not resolving with a glass of wine or breathing, things that we hear often being told to the patient, I just drink a glass of wine, Mm -hmm. breathe through it. So those are not the treatment for vaginismus. Vaginismus is a real physical, emotional dysfunction that we have to gradually and gently address those t- that, that dysfunction. So we always encourage husbands to come and be part of the sessions. Dr. Saya, what are some of your success stories after someone's been to your session, they've been proactive, they've done the steps, they've asked the questions. How does that feel when they come back to you and they're like, oh my God, I'm actually enjoying, because that has to be hard. Like you said, they send you away, you got a new baby, stool softener, and they're like, now go be merry. And Velcro these, undies. Yeah. And these moms are like, I don't like my kid. I don't like my life. I don't like any of this. And they think, same thing. Society has normalized it. Like, yeah, you're supposed to feel this way. Oh, yeah. After someone takes the steps and does the things, what does that feel like? And what does it look like when they come back to you with a fixed pelvic floor? 
I am going to share with you uh, one of my latest success story, and it's it's very valuable, and it, it really encourages me that I'm in the right profession, and I'm uh, what I'm doing is actually working. So I had a 73 years old who came to us very upset. 73? Um, 73, 73. So her issue is, is that she has to sit on the toilet for at least half an hour to be able to pee. She hasn't been able to be intimate with the husband for the past 10 years. And she is very into being intimate and wanting to have sex with the husband, but because it hurts, they haven't been doing anything. Um, She came to me and she was screaming at me yelling at me that why I did not know there are such treatment existed 10 years ago. Mm. And I said, I'm sorry. I don't know why the doctors are not talking about it. Um, obviously, we are paying more attention to public floor as of last 5, 10 years. But um, that's, that's a lot of education for our healthcare system, for our doctors, for care providers that, hey, there is no side effect to sending someone for pelvic floor physical therapy. Just do it. Let them go, try, and know they've tried everything, right? Rather than just not disclosing all this information. So we have a really great practice in Pasadena that this OB practice been referring patients out for pelvic floor. So she came to us through that practice, and we started working with her I think it was her fifth session. She came back and she was able to have penetration pain-free. Well, hello for the 73-year-old still wanting to do the horizontal humble. That's what I'm excited about. And yes, for you giving her that pleasure that she hadn't had for the past 10 years. I've been mad too. I've been screaming at somebody. Like, excuse yeah. me, media. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously she wasn't upset with me. She was upset with the whole, like, why no one told me that you guys existed. Why they were told, why I was told that this is menopause. Because yeah. truly mm-hmm. it wasn't menopause. We were able to get her to have penetration in five weeks. And, and see, that's what my doctor told me. Yeah. My doctor said that sex will become a little bit more uncomfortable when you get older going through premenopause because of the dryness. So just be ready for it. And I was like, well, is there anything a bitch can take? But now I can't wait to go back to her and say, I need to stand, and I need you to check my pelvic floor. But if you don't know how, I'll go back to Dr. Syed. (laughs) I can't wait to tell my girlfriend, too, because she's pregnant and she's older. And just the other day, like, you know, anything over 35, they considered a geriatric pregnancy. And so she was doing um, sonograms every check because of her age, and they never saw that she had um, fibroids. And it sent her into, you know, pre-labor and all these things. And I just know, because they were telling her it was a UTI. They were like, oh, your pain's over UTI. And she was like, I've had a UTI before and it ain't this. So I know that that probably, her pelvic floor probably needs some rehabilitation. I can't wait to send her your way. Uh, The UTI itself, that's another thing. People with tense pelvic floor, they have that symptom of UTI without an actual positive test. So what they get, they keep going back to an LB saying, I have UTI. They get um, tested for UTI and it's negative. 
sometimes, you know, unfortunately, we make our patients feel like it's in your head, but it's not in our head. It's in the pelvic floor. That tightness around the urethra will cause that sensation of burning and give that UTI symptom. And yes, test is negative. Antibiotic is not working because it's not a bacteria. It is the pelvic floor. I'm so mad right now. Working on releasing, lengthening, knowing how to control those muscles, we're able to get rid of that, you know, um, symptom of UTI. It is called overactive pelvic floor. And besides, you know, childbearing, is there anything that specifically would cause your pelvic floor to to drop and deteriorate besides age? Is there something? Because, for example, is there a 21-year-old out there that could have a pelvic floor that's not any good? And if how can we prevent it? So um, heavy lifting with poor body mechanics, poor breeding, that could affect pelvic floor. Sometimes genetically we are born with pelvic floor that is dysfunctional, that vaginismus, something that we don't know. Um, you don't have to have a kid. They just have a tight pelvic floor. Um, you tend to have a tight neck. Sometimes you have a tight pelvic floor. And it's interesting to know that your jaw directly uh, connected to your pelvic floor. So if you have jaw tightness, neck tightness, most probably you do have pelvic floor tightness. Um, so my mind is birth, blown right trauma, now. So yes. Birth, trauma, you know, sexual abuse. Those are all the things that could affect your pelvic floor. I had a, a thing when I was young where I was getting UTIs and they said, well, it's the, the test, nothing's coming back or whatever. So they sent me like as a six-year-old for that. Um, what? Yeah. For that like urethral thing where they stick a tube up inside you. Uh-huh. And that, and that was like traumatic. At six? At six years old. They stick a tube and then you have to like pee out of it. And the, the doctor didn't even, it was like a male like oh my god! Like first, like uh, intern sort of thing, and then it was just very obvious that like didn't know how a vagina worked. So I was six years old and experiencing this, and like later on realized like I think I have trauma, you know. Yeah. So this is just so like important yeah. for people to know, and for their kids to know, and for doctors to know, and for everybody to know. And that's why I was sitting here just being like, I'm so mad. So but in mad. a situation like that, Dr. Syed, is that a, that, well, I would think that it's a parent's responsibility, but parents can say, like, I'm not comfortable with this. Well, they tried. My parents tried, and then they, they were scared into letting them do it because they were like, oh, well, she could be infertile after this if she has some sort of, like, At infection six? or whatever. Yeah, they're like, you have to do it, or, or, or she could not be able to have kids later on. Cut to, I don't have kids. I have a career. Thank you so much. <laughs> right. You want to know you can trust your doctor. I don't know. I feel like doctor has a big role um, in making our decision. So um, when, when my kids are sick, obviously I trust the doctor's decision. So we trust the, the doctor, but our job as a parent is to question every treatment, question every procedure, and have second opinion. If something mm-hmm. doesn't sit well with you, have a second opinion. So um, I bet well, we have that motherly instinct yeah. that tells us something is wrong. A couple months ago, I knew something is wrong with my daughter, although our pediatrician kept saying, like, she's fine. She's faking it. Just just don't pay attention. And I kind of like knew. So I had to take her to 
some doctor. someone else and request for a specific test from my doctor, although she was against it. I said, no, I need these tests to be done. I'm paying for it. I want this test to be done. Sure enough, the test came back positive. Wow. Mother's intuition. That's, that's exactly. Dr. Syed, with your specialty, do you find that you're kind of going against OBGYNs because you want all of this information? Or do you feel like you guys are, you know, blending and coinciding together? That's the way it should be. So like I said, we found this amazing OB practice uh, in Pasadena that we are collaborating with. And it's going smoothly. I know what they want. They know what I want for the patient. And we are having this beautiful relationship of patient and physical therapist and OB um, right now that we are getting great outcomes. So in a perfect world, that's how it should be. We should not be going against each other. We should not be going against our chiros or against our acupuncturists, against our, you know, any other profession. We all have to work together because what I do is totally different from what the OB does. Yeah. So I always tell my OB, I know you're busy. Your job is to make sure the mom and the baby is safe during a pregnancy, during a delivery, and that six weeks checkup is everything is good and healed. Now allow me to provide the service to the mom and make sure they are really ready to go back to normal. So if we have that understanding between the OB and PT, then no, there's not nothing going against each other. That's so important. I mean, all of this is so important. Yeah, our it's, listeners got to treat. It's blowing my mind. You need to check out Dr. Linda Syed. Yeah. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to play our, our very fun and informative game, Myth magic. or Magic. Magic or Myth. We'll be right back. And with that, we are back with <laughs> Dr. Linda Syed. Here on the Magic Mike podcast, we like to do a little segment called Myth or Magic, where we ask our guests, our experts in their field, are these facts myth or magic? True or false? Dr. Linda, are you ready to play Myth or Magic? Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Myth or Magic? After you give birth, your vagina will never be the same. This is a tricky question. In what sense? You tell us, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> I know, because I'm like, wait. <laughs> well, um, yes, your vagina is not going to be 100% the same because you went through the vaginal birth. Things stretched out. Uh, tissue stretched out. When we have the tissue um, that is stretched out, it will go back to normal, but it's not going to be 100%. Is this really going to affect the mom? Um, yes and no, depends on the severity. How stretched out the tissue is. What have you done to rehabilitate from it? So it's not going to be 100%, but if you rehabilitate and get it back to um, the point that the muscles are working and everything is coordinated again and working together, it should not really affect the mom or the husband and a partner. They're not going to notice anything. Okay, so it's both myth and, and magic. magic. Okay, yeah. It is. But you're never ruined. You're never broken. 
That's the biggest You thing. are never broken. You are never ruined, for sure. Yeah. You just have to that. learn about this new postpartum vagina. Mm. All right, Dr. Sian. Magic or myth? After you've gone through this rehab and after you've had your baby, is it the potential still there to have great mind-blowing sex? True. Yes, magic. Yes, magic. Magic, magic. You, Stella can still have that groove back, baby. Matter of fact, it's yes, going to be yes. better. Yes. And, I, and I've heard when you get even to later stage of life, even better. better. So I think so. It gets better. It just yeah. keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. I think it gets, you get loose and she'd be like, you know what? I've been here before. I, <laughs> I can do this. This is, this is all right. I love that. Yeah. Myth or magic? Pelvic floor PT is only for people with serious pelvic floor issues. Myth. Ooh, that was a strong myth. Myth. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, no. It, you, we, we, we want to be proactive. That's another thing with our system that makes me really upset. We don't do anything till everything is to its worst. And then we start seeking treatment. One, it's going to be more expensive to fix it. Two, it's going to take longer. You always have the risk of getting disappointed and drop off and never really treat the issue. Okay. I got another one. Myth or magic? Only women that have had children are the ones that need to look into pelvic floor rehabilitation. Myth. So everybody. Come one, come all. Everybody. Yes. (sighs) Pelvic floor physical therapy is for everybody because we are going to – learn how to connect with these muscles, learn how to maintain these muscles because we have the hormonal changes with our cycles. We have the hormonal changes with uh, pre-menopause, post-menopause. So those are all the things that affect your pelvic floor. I got another one for you. And we've discussed this a little bit, but I'm interested to know what, what the other options are. Myth or magic, Kegels are an appropriate exercise for everyone with pelvic floor issues. Yeah, not everybody have a weak pelvic floor. 99% of women who come to our office, they all have some degree of tension or tightness in their pelvic floor muscles. Life is not easy. We go through a lot of emotional ups and downs throughout the day. We keep things tight. That tension will cause the muscle to be weaker and to be uncoordinated. So if we want to get this muscle stronger, we have to work on mobility before strengthening. Um, a lot of time, the reason we're not peeing and pooping is because those muscles automatically know what to do. When we get a dysfunction, whether it's a trauma, tightness in the muscle, that muscle get a little bit confused. They don't know what to do. Then we get rid of that dysfunction, which could be that tension or the coordination issue. Now the muscle knows what to do again. So we may not even need to do a Kegel. There's a lot of time that we don't even do a Kegel because all we needed to do is to get rid of the dysfunction, get rid of that tension, retrain the muscle, and now all of a sudden the issue is resolved. The the patient does not need to do not even one single Kegel. Magic. Wow. And I it's like a, your mirror behind you because it yeah. makes you look like you're like a saint in the old like saint. She oh, is thank a saint you. There you go. She's helping us with our vaginas. <laughs> saint so, doctor. Yeah, saint doctor vagina. I love <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now I have a question for you ladies. Do you activate or do you do your Kegel when you're inhaling or exhaling? Because it matters. I never noticed I before. think inhaling. I think exhaling. 
So we always want to activate when we are exhaling. (laughs) Yes, when you inhale, that air comes down into your system. When the air comes down, we want to let go, release, allow that air to stretch and release our pelvic floor. Then we're going to use that exhale and squeeze to push that air back up. So exhale is always with, uh, you know, activation. You spoke about like with our muscles, like if we don't want it to be our muscles to be tight. And I know when I'm thinking about my muscles, because I get this for my our physical therapist all the time. He says, your legs are so tight. You've got to stretch them. You've got to stretch them. So is Kegeling equivalent to stretching our vagina? No. Kegel is equivalent to strengthening. Okay. So how do we stretch our vagina or should we be stretching it? We don't want it to be tight. I mean, if you have a tightness, we have something called pelvic wand that we show our patient how to use that pelvic wand to stretch their muscles. (laughs) It could vibrate. Postmenopausal, postpartum moms, we always suggest getting the wand that vibrates because that vibration (laughs) helps with relaxation, also increase circulation, and eventually you guys can use it for pleasure. So why not? Oh, that'd be my advice to everybody. Yeah. Get whatever that vibrates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get, get something there you that go. vibrates. Oh, my right. God. Our listeners got such a treat today, Dr. Syed, and so did Nikki and I, because the information that we have been given, of course, we're going to be able to use it daily, but we just had no idea. So we're super, super grateful about all of the information that ourselves and our listeners were able to get today. So thank you so very much. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to um, plug plug? or (laughs) I know you talk about your practice being a holistic practice, not just about the the physical therapy, but a a holistic like practice for the person and and their health. Is there anything more that you want to speak to about that or plug your practice? Anything you want to do before we leave? So yes, uh, like I mentioned, my practice name is Feminocentric Woman Center. I want it to be a place for women to come, feel vulnerable, feel comfortable, feel, feel safe to get treatment. We do provide in service uh, services in person and virtually. We are located in Pasadena, California. We also have an Instagram that we put tons of free information and it is called the underscore V as in victory underscore um, doc, D-O-C, the vagina doc ultimately. And we post daily. We talk about pelvic floor, sex, prolapse, anything related to women's health, sometimes uh, issues regarding to me as a mom's and parenting. We talk about it all on our Instagram. So if you guys have any questions, any concerns, you can always reach out to the office or you can reach us through our Instagram and we will be more than happy to answer any question. Yay. You're magic, Dr. Sia. I mean, super magic. Like, Really, like, you. you should be tooting your own horn. Beep, beep. Yes. One, oh, thank like, you. really you wonderful. So and you're never too young or too seasoned. I don't like to use the word old, but you're never too seasoned to learn something new. And shout out to your your 73-year-old patient because that's letting us know it's never too late. And I hope, A, that I make it to 73, and B, that I'm still wanting to do the little horizontal hump. Yes, Crystal. Yes, I'm wanting to. My pelvic floor is going to be strong, Dr. Syed, and I'm going to be able to still want to be doing it. Penetrate me, sir. I love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. If you take care of your pelvic floor now, then you should be able to enjoy life 
even when you are 73. And not have to wear Velcro panties. I hope not. Thank you so very much, Dr. Syed, for coming and hanging out with us today. Like I said, we, we received an abundance of information, and we're so grateful and thankful. So take that extra time, ask some questions, you know, listen to your spidey senses, and, and look at your vajayjay every now and then. Make sure she's looking all right. Thank you so much for having me. Yay! Thank you all for listening to the Magic Mike podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and find us wherever you get your podcasts.